Uh, today, if, if you don't know, today is Easter. Um, if you don't know, Easter is the celebration. There's Good Friday, which is on Friday that we celebrate. And that is the day that Jesus, um, that we remember Jesus' death uh, on the cross that paid the penalty for our sins, our mistakes, our selfishness. And on Easter, we celebrate his resurrection, that um, he rose again from the grave. Now, many times, Easter Sunday can be a day where people dress a little nicer than normal, as you can see I did as well. Someone told me, thanks for wearing my best t-shirt. My daughters were all um, getting their dresses uh, yesterday and looking nice and planning what they were going to wear, painting each other's toenails, fingernails, messing up, taking the old stuff off, putting new stuff on again, messing up, redoing it again. Um, And they asked me what I was going to wear, and I told them. And um, let's just say they were not impressed. Uh, I then got a lecture about how do you think Jesus feels about that. And I told them um, that I thought he was just fine with it. Actually, I'm wearing the shirt that says God is healer because we're going to pray for healing at the end of the service. And I just felt I was supposed to wear it as a prophetic act, just believing that God is going to heal today. And that some of you that came in with something physical that doctors have told you you're going to live with for the rest of your life or have told you is going to bring an end to your life, that I'm believing for something radically and miraculously to to take effect. And not because one of us is more holy than the other and we're the ones that pray over you, but because God is the one that has the power to do that. And... um, So, but as we go through this, a lot of times we can look at Easter as an event. And even if we come to church on a regular basis, it's like, oh, Easter Sunday, we're going. And we kind of step out of our normal self, which is we come and and we participate. And it's kind of like, okay, well, let's see what happens on Easter Sunday. And we kind of hold it in and we're more observers. Today, what we want to do is we just want to love God the way we do any other Sunday. But what we really want to do is celebrate who God is. And so we want to remember, let's remember what he's done in our lives. We want to reflect, reflect on it. We want to appreciate it and we want to celebrate it. Um, So we're going to look at some different parts. Just a quick review of the Passion Week. Look at salvation, look at communion, baptism, and healing. Just a couple light subjects that are really easy just to kind of throw out there. They don't take any explanation. We'll just fly right through it. Um, The Passion Week... You know, it, it kind of gets started, for the most part, with Palm Sunday, which is where Jesus is coming in. It was a little confusing to a lot of people because he comes in on a, a donkey colt that's never been ridden on. It's not the most glamorous of vehicles. Um, I won't say what kind of car it would be like, just in case you drove in in one of those today. But let's just say it wasn't glamorous, okay? It wasn't the one where everyone was like, I got to get myself one of those, um, you, you, you never did a double take of, wow, how, like, how did they afford that one? And so this is a donkey colt that had never been ridden before, so it was probably fairly wild. Um, donkeys also aren't the largest of animals, uh, so you know, it maybe even looked a little bit awkward, like, huh, what's that grown man doing on that little thing? But he comes in, but he's not coming in in the way you would think of a king coming in. 
and even his disciples, who he repeatedly said, I am not coming to overthrow the Roman government, and I am not coming to do what you think I'm coming to do. Uh, I'm coming to lay my life down. They would then tell him, no, you're not. Don't say those words. Don't speak death over your life. Uh, Think positive. You're going to push through. Um, You're powerful, and you're going to overcome. But he was entering in that way. People began to wave palm branches at him, and, and there was this kind of this whole entry. He, he comes in, and he has some of his most controversial uh, talks with, with different leaders and, and just talking about the Christian life and, and challenging the, the religious leaders of the day. He then has a time where, where he's going to, uh, and it was kind of interesting how he even got the colt. He just told his disciples, you walk in, you're going to find the mom and the colt and the in the colt tied up, just grab it, just take it, basically steal it. And if the owner sees it, just say, my master wanted it. And they're going to say, oh, that's okay. Just think if someone came and broke the window in your car, had a screwdriver, put in the ignition and started working on it. And you came out like, what are you doing? And they're like, my master wanted it. Oh, then here's the keys. Why use the screwdriver? Then they go, and um, it's time to have this meal, and he basically tells his disciples, hey, just go to this house and tell them my master wants your big room, and uh, he wants to hold a big dinner there. And So they, they have this dinner. Um, here at this, in, uh, you can turn to the book of Matthew, and we're going to stay in the book of Matthew so that it's a little easier, and you can go to chapter 22, and we've looked at this quite a bit over the last couple months. Um, given the title of this portion of scripture, it's pretty good that we keep looking at it. It's called the most important commandment. So therefore, it's a decent idea for us to keep looking at. It. But uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, Jesus has been asked, what's the most important commandment? They're trying to test him. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If we put God first in everything we do, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. He's what we're focused on when we get up. He's our our focus. If we do that, and we treat everyone else with the same respect that we want to be treated with, everything else falls out of that. Think about what an amazing city we could have if we, forget city. Think about what an amazing church family this could be if we just started here. You know what, forget that. Think about what an amazing maybe household it might, you might be single. You're like, wow, oh, there's no one else. Well, maybe you and your pet. Just think, if you could have this, think what would transform. How much would be different if we actually lived this way? If you go to Matthew chapter 26 and look at verse 26, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26, it says, and they were eating. So here they are, they're together, they're at the table. They were eating. Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it. 
for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here they're at what's called the Last Supper. He's sitting there with them. Again, he's talking about what's going to take place. And he, this is where he presents the idea of communion. And he's saying, this is what I want you to do, and this is what it represents. That's why we do it every week here, and, and we take it. We take a cracker, and we take... Periodically, we have some nice bread that's made, but we got to limit that, okay? We can only do that every now and then to keep it special. Um, I know it'd get really boring to you if we were having uh, ciabatta bread every single Sunday, so you're welcome. Um, And we take the juice for what it represents, but it's so we can remember. It's so we can reflect. It's so we can dwell on what it actually means And that's exactly what Jesus was asking his disciples to do. Here a little bit after dinner, he goes to a a garden and kind of, they kind of go for an after dinner walk. Any of you like to do after dinner walks? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you follow the wait 30 minutes so you don't get a side ache (laughs) rule? Okay. Um, So they kind of go for this after dinner walk and they're going into the garden and Jesus says, listen, I got... One request, would you, would you just, would you pray with me? Would you stay awake? It's late. I know it's late. We've had a busy day. We've got a lot of motions going through you, but would you stay awake? And he goes to pray. And in his prayers, he's asking God, and we've kind of been reading these over the last couple of weeks, but he's asking God, Lord, yeah, man, if there's any way you could take this plan, I, I really... I'm willing to go through with it, but I'd really rather not if there was another way we could do this. I mean, what about that little cult? Could we, you know, could it pay the penalty? Or, you know, is, is there another way to go through this? But he says, but not my will be done, your will be done. If this is what needs to take place, then I will go through it. He then is betrayed, and they come and they get him there. Even then, his disciples, even though they've been told many times, they start fighting, they get up in people's faces, they pull swords, the whole deal. He goes to trial, starts with the religious leaders, then goes to the Roman leaders. Everyone's kind of passing them off. No one totally wants the the responsibility of it. And then he begins to go through the process of being beaten, being torn apart, and all of that, um, I won't go into all of that right now, but it's just a gruesome, a gruesome murder, a gruesome thing that's taken place. Then if you turn, Matthew 27, verse 45. It says, at noon... Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. I love this last verse there where it talks about the, the curtain being torn. Because what it represents is back in the day in the temple, there was these different layers that people and different people could be in. But there was a curtain that separated the most holy place. And only a select few of the priests were allowed to ever go in there. So you and I, we would be kept outside. It was something where we would go and we would bring our sacrifice or those things. But there was a distance. There was someone who kind of would be in the presence of God and, and talk for God to us. But there was a distance we had. But at this moment of his death, the curtain was torn in two. And it was symbolic that there's no longer a barrier between you and I and Jesus. There's no longer a barrier between us and God because Jesus paid the penalty for that. He made a way. He is the bridge. He is the connecting point. He is the path. He is the way for us to be able to go to the Father. And we no longer have to stand on the outside. And so the curtain being torn. And a lot of times, like I kind of shared at the, at the end of the praise portion, was so many times, though, we still were... It's almost like you and I uh, are bringing our sewing equipment, or maybe you don't know how to sew, and you're bringing your clamp or your zip ties, whatever it is that you hold two things together. And it's almost like we're trying to go back up and, and hold the curtain back together and believe that we are separated from God. And he's saying, no, it's wide open. It's totally open. I'm calling every single one of you to come. I did this for you. My son sacrificed this for you. Really, though, we have to be willing to accept this gift. As we've talked about many times, we can give each other a gift. We first have to actually put our hands on it and say, okay, but that's just part of it. If I take the gift and then just place it on a table, I really haven't accepted the gift. It's there, but I'm not doing anything with it. I have to open it up, but it's not just opening it up and seeing what's inside of it. Now that's a knowledge of the gift. So the gift can be presented to me. I can open it up and now I have knowledge of, what's in the, in, of what the gift is. But it's not until I actually take the gift out of the box and actually own it as it's mine. What if someone gave you something that you knew they had a sacrifice beyond their means for? They gave you their brand new car when they had been saving a long time for it. They, they, they gave you, they came and brought you groceries because you were in need, but you know they can barely afford to pay their own bills. 
Someone gave them something and they said, you know what, I've been given, but I really believe you're supposed to have this. Sometimes it's hard to actually, let's say, I, I, I want to keep doing this. It's not because I'm so buff. It's because I'm picturing myself putting on a coat. Sometimes it's so hard to, to, to think, okay, I'm actually going to put it on because we think we're not worthy of it. Because we think, we're, we're thinking, I, I don't know. I mean, that person had to sacrifice so much. But are we willing to take the gift? When Jesus died, he paid the penalty for our mistakes, for our sin nature, for our selfish desires. By that, it means that he has a key and he wants to walk up and he wants to unlock your chains. He wants to unlock them. Oh, I like the little bounces. Can you give me a bounce too? Come on, woo! He wants to unlock them. And he wants to free us. But again, you and I can be really stubborn. I mean, as much as we want to be free, what do we do? It's like we, it falls off and we grab the chains and we still hold on to it. We do that so much because we believe, well, I'm still bound by this. No, he has the key and he wants to come and unlock it. And he wants to say, you can walk in freedom. Well, what about when I keep messing up? He's there to keep helping you to point you in the right direction. But we have to accept it, and we have to be willing to let go of it. Now, we're going to watch uh, a little slideshow here in a minute, and we're going to um, go through some actual slides that we did uh, that Mark took us through last week. And we're, and we're going to take communion at this point. But the... the um, Ushers, will you guys start uh, passing out communion and hold off on the slideshow for a second? Um, you guys like this choreography? We doing good? We want to start by taking communion. It's what Jesus told his disciples to do. It's where he walked them through that the, the cracker represents his broken body, that his body was beaten and it was broken for you and I. The juice represents his blood. We're not drinking real blood here. This isn't some quack show. It's juice, okay? Um, if we wanted to be real edgy, we would have box wine. But today, we're just doing bottled juice. It represents his blood. The way I like to look at it is when Jesus was on the cross, his blood was being drained out of him, and I was in desperate need of a blood transfusion. And his blood brought me life where my blood was death. And it was poured out. So what do we do when we take these elements here in a minute? We remember. We remember his sacrifice. I remember doing a baptism. Twice I've been asked to do baptisms for people outside of, like, you know, doing it in the classy tub here. And um, people's timing couldn't be worse. They pick the dead of winter, and they ask if we'll baptize them in the Columbia River. It's happened twice now with Tamara and I. I'm like, seriously? Like, there's other months where the sun does come out here. And, I mean, one time we could barely see 
the girl's parents on the, we were just deep enough at Frenchman's Bar to where we could actually, she could go under the water and we could barely see her parents standing on the shore because of how foggy it was and it was freezing. It's a neat story. Oh, I remember, yes. The previous one was in Washougal and one of the things I shared uh, before we, we started it, because there was just a mix of different people that were there, but is many times, um, who here, whether you're currently at this place or you were at a different point in your life, you struggled with the whole idea of God and Jesus. It was just a hard thing for your brain to wrap around, okay? Here's the deal. It takes faith. It also takes faith to believe in anything you want to believe in and how this earth came about. So to believe that there was a God who spoke it into existence and the earth came and spoke people and breathed life into us is crazy. Say it, crazy. Okay? It takes faith. To believe any other form that all of a sudden there was two things colliding out of nothing that then created it and over time, different things popping into each other and different things like that is crazy, and it takes faith. No matter which way you look at it, it is crazy and it takes faith. What, what's gonna happen down the road? None of us, our, our, our minds can't fathom it. None of ours can, no matter which way we look at it. Personally, I can tell you that I feel God's presence. I can tell you where he's intervened in my life, and that's how I know that he's real. Removing my own experience. I can look, and I could, I could also say, even out of my own feelings and my own emotions on it, that I've seen what he's done in other people's lives and where he's changed. Not just where they had the emotions of change, but where I physically saw it. Remove that aside. Let's just go purely in the mind. I would much rather think about the crazy option of there being a God who is personal and who loves me than any of the other options. As we watch this, it's just a lot of different, just little drawings of Jesus washing people's feet. A lot of different religious leaders, different people politically, different people socially. But it's just to see, where are you in it? And the idea that what Jesus came to do is he came to serve us. He came to lay his life down. He came to sacrifice so that you and I could live. He came to pay the penalty so that he could have the key to unlock so that we could be freed. And that you know that even as these drawings depict, they're not all people that grew up in the church. They're not all people that would um, just naturally believe in God. But he is still there washing their feet and saying, I came to love you. I came to serve you. I would lay my life down for you, not because of what you did, but because I first loved you. 
and that he's okay with your doubts. Man, I just want to keep saying that. He is okay with your doubts. He just wants to draw you in. And if today you take a step, he is pumped. If tomorrow you take another step, he is so excited because you're coming closer to him. He's not there, that idiot. I mean, for the love of God. I mean, if you're going to take steps, at least take big ones. Or put a little, you know, movement and swing those hips and power walk. No, he's happy that you're taking a step. He's not scared of it. Because his desire is that we all come to him. So as we watch this, and then I'm just going to lead us in a quick prayer. What I ask is that you, regardless of where you are, you say, Lord, reveal yourself to me in a new way. Help me understand you. Help me know what you think about me. Help me, God, I want to grasp it. Help me take a step. And that step's not just for the person who's struggling to believe. It's for all of us. You could be 87 and you've been loving Jesus your whole life. You know what? He still wants you to take another step. So in your hand, you hold two things that represent his sacrifice for you. So we're going to take communion here. Um... And I remember a couple years ago, I forget what our series was, but Bob had me share on hell. And um, I've shared with you guys before, I don't even like sci-fi movies or anything that has suspense or seems weird. So the idea of having to talk on hell, pardon me, but seemed like hell. Um, and it's because... I don't quite understand it. Just be honest with you. I don't quite get it. Is there really this lake of lava that if we don't turn our lives over to Jesus, that for eternity we're going to be in this thing burning up constantly, just constantly burning as if you were going to die? Or that if we turn to him, we're in the most beautiful thing we could ever imagine. I've told you, mine has more granite and marble and redwood trees and gold. But I don't quite get it. But as I was getting ready for that message, the one thing I kept wrestling with is one, I know that God is fair. I know that he is just. There's always the stories, well, what about, you know, the baby that dies at two weeks who never committed, you know, was able to verbalize their faith. What then? And, well, I know that the, the man next to Jesus on the cross never got to read his Bible, never got to go to a church service, never got to do anything other than for a couple split seconds acknowledge Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in eternity. I remember as a kid going to plays uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, where it's all these stories and these different scenarios that are supposed to kind of wake us up to the potential that any one of us could get in a car and start driving and get hit and die. 
Anything could happen, and it causes us to think about it. But still, I struggle with this concept of hell. But then I have to wrestle with the idea that why would Jesus die? He came to save us, so he's saving us from something. But it was serious enough where he wasn't just saying, hey, there's a better way if you would just kind of just come with me. It was serious enough that he would go through what he went through so that I could live. I mean, he thought it. Think about how serious would it have to be for someone else, for you decide that you would allow your flesh to be torn off, to be mocked, to be abused, to be abandoned, even to the degree of your friends disowning you. Every person running out of your life and all that taking place. And then dying on a cross. You don't just do that for just a new concept. There was something. What exactly it looks like, I'm not sure because I haven't been there. But I can tell you that I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is real. I can tell you that I believe with all of my heart that he did come for each and every single one of us. I can tell you with all of my heart that I believe he came for you. I can't paint you the exact picture of what heaven and hell are and how that all plays out. But what I can tell you is this. He thought it was serious enough that he decided to come and go through what he went through so that you and I could live. So you decide what it looks like to you. But what I want to throw out to all of us is we accept his invitation. That regardless of where, how you walked in today, that he is sitting right in front of you, taking off your shoes, your smelly, damp socks, and looking at where you should have cut your toenails earlier and taking clean things up for him. And he's saying, in the midst of that, in the midst of everything you have going on and what you've done, I love you. You are my daughter, you are my son, and I am with you. So Lord, we take these elements. It's a simple cracker and simple juice, but it represents something so amazing, something that God has changed our lives. We celebrate this every week. We want to celebrate it every, every day of our lives where we, we go back and we remember what you did for us. But today especially, Lord, we want to remember who you are. To even pause what we're looking for to change in our own life and say what you did was already enough. Even if you did nothing else, what you did is enough. God, I do ask that we're, however we walked in, whatever our thought process is, whatever our relationship is with you, you're not scared of it. You know us. You've been there through every difficult thing, even the things where we even maybe cried out, God, how could you let this happen to me? Where were you? God, you were there. Lord, I ask that you would help each one of us to say yes to you today. You would help each one of us to take another step closer to you. Right where you're at, will you just take a couple seconds, say whatever you need to say to God.
Say it in your mind. Say it out loud. Maybe you need to ask him a question. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, I don't believe in you. But if you're real, show me. I struggle to believe you're real. Seems crazy. But Lord, I'm willing for you to begin to show me. I'm willing to begin to open my mind to it. Maybe you need to give God abuse. Maybe you need to give him your pain, your suffering, the abandonment, the betrayal. Maybe you need to give him your mistakes. Today, he forgives you, even if you can't forgive yourself. What do you need from him today? Let's take the cracker and the juice in remembrance of his sacrifice. Matthew chapter 28 talks about early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy as they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Then in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That is, all nations is all people, all languages, all backgrounds, all political persuasions, all viewpoints, all mistakes. Go out. He's calling all of them. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know I'm pulling an emotional shift on you, but you know what? That is what took place 
when the disciples who had put their faith in Jesus and they were following him, they went and here he is and he's dead and he's on a cross and he gets put in a, in a grave. But they come back and there's a shift because the grave is open. And what they thought they had put their faith in and had disappeared and was no longer there is now out there. But guess what he's doing? He's saying, it is your turn. Go, go and make disciples. We have three people, if you'll come up, the three that are getting baptized, we're gonna, we're gonna baptize. And as we do this, we're gonna sing and we're gonna celebrate. What I wanna encourage you to do is remember God's love for you. Remember the day of your own baptism. Why do we get baptized? We get baptized at one, it represents even Christ's own death, burial, and resurrection. We get baptized as a, as a public display where we say to others, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. 